listening to the Top Music Guitar Podcast, the show for guitar teachers to learn about the craft of teaching great guitar lessons that students love. If you're looking to start or expand your studio and make guitar teaching your full-time dream job, you've come to the right place. Each week, you'll get to hear from some of the top guitar teachers from around the globe and get their best tips and experiences so that you too can build your own dream studio. I'm your host, Michael, and I've founded one of the top guitar schools in Australia, written a best-selling curriculum, and I mentor guitar teachers. I'm excited to share my expertise with you and the wisdom of all the experts we interview. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Top Music Guitar Teaching Podcast. As always, I've got a real treat, and today is going to be no exception. Our next guest is from the land of ice hockey and maple syrup. He's the creator of the 52-week guitarist and has over half a million YouTube subscribers. And he's got ambitions of helping over 100,000 guitar players reach a pro level in their playing. Brandon Dion, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> nice to meet you, man. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much. Yeah, happy to be here. So I can't go anywhere on Instagram or YouTube without you popping up, whether that be the algorithm or just your insane work ethic to get content out there. And I'm always laughing my ass off at you and the great stuff that you're doing. And it's not just a matter of you being funny, you being entertaining and educational at the same time. So for our listeners who don't know who you are, can you give us a brief background about yourself and your guitar playing? Sure. Yeah. So um, first of all, I appreciate the compliment. Thank you. And yeah, so... In terms of uh, my guitar playing journey, I started when I was 10 years old. And how old am I now? Well, that's a mystery because I'm doing an age reveal at 1 million subscribers on YouTube. So stay tuned for that. But uh, anyway, yeah, I uh, started learning guitar when I was 10 years old because my father played guitar and he introduced me to it. And uh, yeah, I took to it. It became my thing. You know, in school, I was known as the guitar player kid and it became part of my identity right so i ran with it decided to go to school for music once i graduated high school so i that, that's what that useless degree in the back there is from <laughs> oh you got one of them too yeah yeah <laughs> but anyway yeah so uh here we are pretty much uh, yeah not 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 a super interesting story or anything but <laughs> Well, I think it's uh, one that many people share in and one that many people would hope to aspire to as well at the same time. So tell me about that useless bit of paper and why you think it's a useless bit of paper. I joke, I, I kid. I mean, like for most people, it's useless. Luckily for myself, it's not because I've been one of the fortunate ones to make a career out of that piece of paper. For the most part, uh, that's not usually how it goes, right? Uh, music industry is very tough. It's not for everyone, but uh, I guess that's why I would say, generally speaking, I mean, a music degree is not for everyone to uh, pursue. And I also wouldn't recommend it. And like, this is someone who went and actually got one, right? I, I don't recommend uh, music school. Yeah, it's a very contentious um, point of view. And a lot of people think that the career pathway, if you're going to be a guitar player or a professional musician, is go and to music school and learn and educate and 
I can reflect and say, I had some really great experiences. And then I went through like a bit of phase of going, oh man, music school is a total waste of time. But now there's certain skills like ear training or the ability to just pick up and play certain things or understand certain theory, which I go, oh, hang on. If it wasn't for music school, maybe I wouldn't have that skill. So was it the pathway into being a rock star that I thought it was? Definitely not. But did I pick up a lot of valuable skills and did I really enjoy my time playing and learning and having other musicians around me? I think definitely. So yeah, so if a, a student came to you of yours and said, hey, Brandon, I'm thinking of going to music school, what would you tell them and why? I would ask them what their goals were before I would give any sort of advice because I would want, I would want to tailor my answer or my response to that statement slash question, whatever way they presented it to me. I would want to personalize it for them. So if their goal was to go to music school and like their goal was like to build on that, become a career musician, maybe play on the cruise ships or something, then I don't know. Like I, I would give it to them straight. I would be like, look, uh, you want to play on the cruise ships? Yeah, sure. Go to music school because they're very obsessed with your ability to read. If you can't read music, you're not going to get that gig. If you want to be a session player or you want to play in pit bands or something like this for like musicals, you know, insert gig here. Sure. Go to music school. But I mean, if, if there are other things that like, like there are other things that you can do in music that don't require you to go to school for it. Right. I mean, of course you can use the example of pretty much every single famous guitar player throughout history. Like how many of those guys had music degrees? <laughs> like yeah. none of your favorite I, players went to music school. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, I mean, and I, I get like, uh, like sometimes people will argue, uh, like, cause, cause when I teach things like, like in my videos, like if, if I say, uh, you should learn theory, there will always be comments saying, uh, actually like, all these guitar players didn't know theory. You don't have to know theory. It's like, okay, yeah, but you're not them. So like, I, I get that other side of the conversation, which is like, of course there are exceptions to the rule, but it, I mean, in this specific example, I can't think of a single exception. I can't think of a single person that has a music degree that is a famous musician. I, I don't know any, maybe I'm just not well enough researched. <laughs> yeah, no, but, I think you're pretty uh, yeah. on there. <laughs> so and anyway, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, there's just, it's not necessary. 100%. I think the other thing you could argue is, okay, they haven't had a formal theory education, but I'm sure they know what's going on. And the theory is just kind of an explanation of how to get certain sounds. And if they've kind of figured out that this pattern results in this sound, then technically they're applying theory there. No one's really stabbing in the dark. Yeah, I agree. Now, in terms of your teaching, at what point did you transition into online teaching and social media and, and start building up the amazing following and uh, video powerhouse that you've got you know, right now? Yeah, it would have been like 2017 when I started posting content more frequently and actually tried taking it seriously for the first time. Yeah, so I started teaching in person, right? I taught in person back when I was just a teenager, right? Like quite young. And I taught all throughout the years. It was never like a career because it was always something that I kind of did as a side hustle or something. But uh, yeah, I started out teaching in person or through Skype or something like that 
before I started teaching specifically via an online program. Fantastic. And at what point did it kind of go from a side hustle to being the main gig or something you actively concentrated on growing and building? When I, when I realized that having 100,000 followers did, it, did not make me any money at all, that's when I realized that I needed to find a way to actually monetize because like, like what's the point? Like what, what's the point in just sharing all this content online and building an audience uh, if I have to go work at Coca-Cola, which I did because that's where I worked uh, during the, that time, right? So yeah, it, it was around like 2019 when I started, like, like 2019 is when I launched 52 Week Guitar Player. And uh, it did quite well the first weekend. I was surprised I had never made that much money in my entire life in that short of amount of time. And that's when I realized uh, it didn't make sense to continue going to work for Coke. Well, it's I don't want to get into like my entire history, but I actually later worked for Pepsi. Like <laughs> I got poached. Anyway, so like I, I ended up quitting my job at Pepsi to pursue 52 Week Guitar Player full time because. Uh, I could just have conversations with people on Instagram through the DMs. And if one of those people ended up purchasing the program, I would make double what I would have normally made for an eight hour shift. Right. So it just, it made a lot of sense to just get rid of the job at that point. It, it was never like a big moment for me to quit my job because I was only ever working part time because I knew that I didn't want to work for anyone. Yeah. I know some people, it's like a big deal to quit their job. It wasn't for me. Yeah. So it was just a matter of, okay, now I can make more money doing this. There's no reason to spend 20 hours a week in this place when I could make four or five sales and achieve the same thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Uh, now I do definitely want to get more onto the 52 week guitar player course that you've got, but Talking about your videos, one thing that stands out is you're not afraid to be controversial. You're not afraid, afraid to communicate harsh truths to your audience and even outright bully them. So <laughs> what are some of the lessons that no one wants to hear, but everyone needs to hear that you sort of come across as your time teaching guitar? Students specifically. So like guitar students. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. The first thing is just, uh, you guys focus on too much shit because like, People can't improve on the instrument because they are too distracted, period. That's it. I'll give you, I'll tell you a story. So there was a student who enrolled in 52 week guitar player not long ago. And, uh, he refunded, we offer a 90 day refund policy. So, uh, you know, he had that a big window to refund that he took advantage of. And his reason for refunding was he had adopted a litter of puppies. I don't know how many puppies were in this group, but this is why he refunded because the puppies were taking up too much of his time and he couldn't designate any time to guitar at this point because the, the motherfucking puppies took too much of his time, right? Like, are you serious? Yeah. Really? Like, so, um, I mean, and, and this, this is, this happens all the time, right? Like, People just focus on too much. And uh, it's like, I do have some sympathy because it's not exactly common sense. I had to be taught to not focus on too many things. Like, like this was a lesson that I learned 
from someone older than me further ahead in life. So yeah, it's not exactly common knowledge, but this is something that I actually do teach in 52 Week Guitar Player because I know people make this mistake all the time, right? So I actually have a module where I talk about this sort of mindset. And I don't know, I guess if nobody ever watches that lesson, because I can't force them to watch the lesson, they're not going to get exposed to this different paradigm. So that is definitely at least one thing that people need to realize, you know, uh, don't focus on too much shit. That is a harsh truth, I guess. I, I guess it's not even a harsh truth, but it's a truth. And in this day and age, there's just so much distraction with YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and all these things. Doing or some puppies my, myself and puppies, uh, pictures <laughs> of cats and dogs and everything. I'm often as a content creator going, I want to make a video about how you shouldn't watch too many videos in one hit, but that goes against me trying to get as many views and likes and things as I can. So do you ever have moments like that where you're trying to solve the problem, but you're also part of the problem with content creation and overloading students? Yeah, it's an interesting question because we are producers of content, right? And we don't like to be consumers of content for too long or like within a session, right? Like if you're sitting there and consuming content for eight hours, you know, that's, that's something that we would not recommend. When it comes to uh, the type of content that I make, I like to make the comparison that there's a lot of really terrible content on the internet, right? Like when you like, like I don't have TikTok on my phone, right? But if I did, I'm pretty confident that I would open that app up and I would see garbage, like just garbage content that is terrible for your brain. Right. And, uh, probably see, like, if you open up Instagram, you'll see a lot of, uh, you know, OnlyFans girls, uh, sharing their ass, you know? So that's like, that's a waste of time, right? Like you don't need to spend your time doing that. Right. So when I think about the type of content that I produce, it is very different to the type of content that you will see like in a cat video or, you know, some dumb social media trends, eating Tide Pods, uh, looking at girls' asses, you know, it's very different, right? When you consume my content, hopefully it stimulates some part of your brain, right? Hopefully it motivates you. Hopefully it entertains you and hopefully it teaches you something, right? So th this, these are my goals uh, as a content creator. So if someone is spending a lot of time on content, but they're consuming content that is actually productive, which I would classify uh, most of my content as, then there's not so much of a problem with it as long as they're still not doing it for like two hours at a time. Like an hour is probably good. Like if, you, if you're having supper and you, you want to consume some content, watch some YouTube, sure. I do that every day, right? So it's fine, I think. In terms of like preventing students from getting distracted, well, again, I have a whole module on that in my program. And you know, it's up to them if they want to watch it. We do have live streams and we talk on those live streams. And uh, if I find out that they're too distracted, I'll point it out. Or if I find out that they, uh, haven't been practicing something very much and they're asking me about it, 
and they're wondering why they're not getting it. And then I ask them how long they've been practicing it for, and they've only been practicing it like one time per day. And it's like a short exercise. It's like, you know, I, I will call them out on this stuff. I will let them know that what they're doing is ineffective. But uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of my take on it. Fantastic. And I think so many people just completely underestimate how much effort goes into learning guitar. And again, if you've got 10 units of time and you're trying to water 20 different plants, you can only water each one a little bit. But if you can narrow down your focus and put all of your time and effort and energy into only a handful of things, you get good at them really, really quickly. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it's like I said earlier, like I actually don't believe that that lesson is common sense, unfortunately. If you're listening to this podcast right now, then you have learned that lesson. I mean, then I suppose it's up to you whether or not you want to trust my or Mike's credibility to apply that to your own life. <laughs> but uh, I would recommend it. Now, I know the, the focus is instantly transferable to every area of life and every venture, but are there any harsh truths for guitar teachers that they need to hear, guitar teachers or online content creators? Harsh truths... Okay, so there's like two parts to that question. So let's start with guitar teachers. Are there any harsh truths that guitar teachers need to hear? Okay, so I'm when I think about this, I, I think about like a guitar teacher who has an in-person studio sort of thing. Uh, I mean, maybe they're also doing some one-on-one -on -one lessons over Zoom or something like that. But when I think about harsh truths that they need to hear, it's when you uh are not prepared for the lesson uh the student knows right so this is something that uh i actually use as a selling point for my program if the student walks into the lesson and you say what do you want to do today and that's kind of it like that's how most lessons go yeah i i just think that that is giving the student too much direction when in the earlier stages they actually need to be led more so I guess it depends who you ask because, I mean, if some students are led, they might be led with something that they're not interested in and then they might be more likely to quit, right? But I mean, there are some things that are foundational, I think, that should be taught, right? Like playing in time with a metronome. I was not taught that when I was a young lad uh, going to guitar lessons, right? I would just play along with songs. But I think that's something that should be taught very soon because the sooner you learn that lesson like it, it makes everything else easier right i guess to summarize a harsh truth is like if you're not prepared for your own lesson the student's gonna know so you know show up and uh try i guess i mean i have a lot of respect for guitar teachers because uh you know i i know what they deal with so <laughs> I'm, i don't have any like crazy harsh truths beyond that, I guess. And anything for content creators that they, they need to get a bit of a reality check on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your shit might just not be that good, yeah. you know? So that, that's probably the biggest one. Like if your uh, content was good, more people would watch it. And even if you put a lot of effort into it, that doesn't mean that it's good. What makes a good piece of content is really the idea. That is the most important thing. Because if you have a video that is not an interesting idea, but you put a lot of time and effort in production into, well, if nobody is interested in that idea, it doesn't matter. But if you have a good idea, 
and then you put a bunch of effort into that, well, it's probably going to be a pretty high performing piece of content. That's definitely something that needs to be kept in mind. On top of that, it might take a long time to actually see growth, but if you quit before you start seeing growth, well, I guess you just didn't deserve it. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Guitar teachers will get upset that uh, they tell their students, hey, look, this is going to probably take five to 10 years for you to get good at guitar. Like realistically, if you, you want to play to a high level and then they give up on social media after like three months or less than 10 <laughs> videos, it's just like, it's the same thing. You need to practice what you preach just in a different area. Yeah. Well, did you hear that stat that like 99% of podcasts don't go beyond 20 episodes or something like that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And even I reflected on something maybe about six, seven months ago is that 90% of guitar players quit in the first 12 months. I think Fender released that stat uh, based off of, I think it was their app. There's not really, you can't really find the study they point to or the evidence they point to, but the CEOs quoted as saying, yeah, 90%, but I would say 99% of people quit 99% of everything, like within a one to three months, you look at gyms, you look at almost any hobby. Uh, it's a really, really interesting statistic. And for me, it's always, well, how do I get them over the line of this? Let's get them to 20 hours as soon as possible. Awesome. We got to 20 hours. Okay. Let's get them to 200. Fantastic. By 200, they should start to have a few things clicking. Okay. Now, how do we get them towards this, you know, 1,000, then eventually 10,000 hours. But basically, how do we keep them hooked, entertained, engaged, and uh, motivated so they actually stick with guitar playing long enough to actually see those results? And it's like uh, having a six-pack. Like, is getting a six-pack difficult? Uh, no, it's just exercise regularly and don't eat too much. And it's only a matter of time before you will have a visible six-pack, visible abs. Is that... Uh, hard to do conceptually no it's very simple and most people pull it off no because people aren't disciplined they don't stick to things long term so that's the conundrum that i face uh, do you have similar ideas or thoughts with getting your students to stick with things i do i would also say you're pretty bang on with that statement i've never heard anyone say something like that before but it's very true you said that well fender was saying how 90 percent of guitar players quit in their first year and then you said, well, I would say 99% of people quit 99% of everything. Uh, that's very true, man. Like you really hit the nail on the head with that one. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is like guitar, uh, swimming, going to the gym, martial arts, uh, whatever, insert hobby here. Right. I mean, <laughs> it, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty bang on. It's that dichotomy of humans need consistency, but they also need variety. And unfortunately, some people are always chasing that variety for that instant dopamine hit, which may be influenced by social media and, and not having that attention span on work ethic. But if people can be consistent enough, then they'll eventually get to the point where they're good. If I normally use this analogy locally, but if you're going to work for, walk from uh, the lowest point of the USA to the highest point of Canada, you can walk there in a straight line. If you take one step a day, it will take you forever. If you take 10 steps a day, you'll get there faster. If you take a thousand steps a day, you know, it keeps on speeding up. But as long as you don't stop taking steps, you'll eventually get there. Just how fast you get there is determined by your input and the vehicle that you take. Yes, 100%. Well said. Now, tell us a bit more about the 52-week guitar player course that you've got and what sort of makes it different. And I'm just going to assume it helps 
people become more successful than a standard lesson approach and most definitely just watching random YouTube videos and trying to piece things together. So what have you constructed? What makes it successful uh, in terms of the outcome for students? Yeah, sure. So of course, there's the lesson curriculum, which has to exist because they need to get the information from somewhere. But that's what like, like I, I think about guitar courses in the world of YouTube guitar teachers, because I know a lot of different YouTubers or YouTube guitar teachers that exist and sell a course, right? So when I think about guitar courses, that's always who I'm kind of like comparing mine to in the back of my mind, just to give context on the situation. So most courses, like the ones that I just referenced, it's just a bunch of videos. That's it. Why would someone buy that? YouTube exists. Google exists. Ultimate Guitar exists. All of these different resources exist and are free. So I don't understand why someone would buy a shittier version of that, right? Like just fewer lessons, like fewer pieces of content, right? And it's all by the same person. Uh, maybe they really like the person. That's why they do it. You do have to have that, but it should not be the only thing, right? The most valuable component of 52-week guitar player in the eyes of the students is feedback, right? They're getting feedback from professionals. We also hold them accountable, which is something that you wouldn't get with... Well, I mean, you might get it with a in-person teacher, but uh, you definitely don't get it with online guitar programs. I've not seen another one where they hold students accountable, right? We also have four live sessions per week on Zoom. So if you did have a one-on-one -on -one in person teacher, Zoom lesson teacher, whatever, just one-on-one -on -one instructor, uh, I'll say for simplicity, you might meet with him or her once a week. But in 52-week guitar player, we have four of those Zoom meetings per week, right? Now, granted, there are other students there, but it's just, it's way more access, right? And we give feedback to the students within 24 hours. So the feedback loop is a lot shorter, right? Because if you're going to a, a teacher and you only see them once a week, well, you've got a week to work on what you were assigned. Assuming you were assigned something, hopefully you were assigned something, right? But you've got a week to work on it. If you work on it incorrectly, well, you aren't going to know that you were doing it wrong until your next lesson, right? So that's a drawback from in-person or Zoom one-on-one -on -one lessons, right? So we've got that stuff. And then we, uh, I actually have a uh, music producer who I work with and he creates backing tracks for the students every single week. So we get a new backing track and these are really solid backing tracks. Like they are professionally made, like they sound amazing. Sometimes I listen to the tracks just on their own because they sound that good. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a new one of those each week. When you uh, blend all this stuff together, you know, there's live interaction with pros, there's feedback, accountability, a lesson curriculum to follow, backing tracks to practice your improv over. You can get roasted by us. It's a, it's a good ecosystem for someone who's actually serious about becoming a better player. Hey there, guys. It's Michael here with a quick message from Top Music. Are you a passionate guitar teacher looking for tips to make lessons more fun and engaging for your students? Maybe you're struggling to grow your business and need help getting more students to take lessons with you. 
Maybe you're a guitar player who wants to get out of a day job and make music your full-time gig with some teaching on the side. If you found yourself saying yes, then look no further than a membership with us at Top Music Guitar. Top Music is a place music teachers can come together from all over the world to share ideas, develop both their teaching skills and their business knowledge, and receive advice from industry experts. You'll get access to over 20 courses for guitar teachers and a host of general music teaching resources that will help you have a bigger impact on your students, teach better lessons, and of course, make you more money. For less than the price of what you charge for a private lesson, $49 per month, you'll get access to everything you need to bring your studio to life and become the best teacher you can be. Join now at www.topmusicguitar.com. Now, back to the podcast. That sounds awesome. And where can our listeners sign up for 52-week guitar player? Because I know some people, they're teachers, but they also feel like they need to improve their playing massively or they've got some sort of gap they need to work on. So where, where can our listeners find out more about your program? Uh, if you go to my social medias, you'll probably find the link in a bio somewhere. Or you could just Google 52-week guitar player waiting list. That would also work. We are closed, though. We're closed until December 15th. We open to people on the waiting list on December 12th, but uh, we only accept 100 students as well. Uh, we closed the program because just right now, uh, we don't have the infrastructure to take on more than 100 students per cohort because if we were to do that, it would diminish the value for each additional student, right? If there were like 200 and we only have X amount of instructors, well, it just means that those existing instructors are going to be stretched more thin to accommodate all the students, right? This is the reason we only take 100 per cohort right now. That may change in the future, but that is the situation for now. And uh, yeah, as I said, you know, just Google it, go to my socials. You'll probably find a link somewhere. I find it interesting that you sort of have like uh, quarterly open dates. Is it like a, um, is it a 12 month program or a, a rolling quarterly start? Or, and do you find it, it makes people more keen that they have to wait to join or does it sort of limit the amount of people you can take on? Yeah. So for starters, they do have access for 12 months. And um, of course, it's a hype thing, right? People hear about the program, they can't join it. Then they get on the waiting list. And then when they're on the waiting list, you know, I'll send them emails, just, you know, hyping up the program, right? As anyone who has a product does. And uh, then by the time we finally open, they are excited to join and they join and then we close off again uh, and the cycle repeats. So that's pretty much it. Fantastic. No, it definitely sounds really, really awesome. And I guess it almost has a feel like it's almost like a, an online university where you, know, you can only drop in once a year or once every six months mid-year intake. So if you want it, you kind of really have to pull the trigger and, and take advantage so you don't have to wait another three months or six months to get in the next uptake. Yes, sir. hundred percent. Now, do you find that most of these people, cause it's obviously not, I wouldn't think you're targeting it at beginners. Does it start at the very fundamentals or is it more for intermediate and advanced players? I definitely recommend it more toward intermediate players uh, and even advanced players because uh, I mean, advanced players may, might be advanced, but they're still not professional, right? So th there's still a, a gap there, right? Uh, and a lot of advanced players don't go to music school. So, uh, you know, there's still a lot to be taught to advanced players, but yeah, I don't recommend it to beginners because, uh, it's just a beginner would find it kind of fast paced. 
like I do cover some beginner concepts in the beginning, uh, just to say that they're covered and, uh, you know, have them in there just in case. Right. But, uh, yeah, most of the people I have just noticed throughout the years, uh, that were interested in the program, at least self-identified as intermediate. So that's why I, when I market the program, I market it toward intermediate players because they're just the ones historically that have been interested in it. Do you find that because they've gotten through that, you know, they're not in that 90% of people that quit in the first year, they are also committed and they're more likely to be on the, the long-term trajectory as well? Yeah, it depends on the person. But uh, I would say like, I, I, I don't have the numbers on other people's, you know, student success rate or anything like that uh, inside of their guitar courses. And I, I know a lot of other online guitar teachers. But uh, I would think that someone who commits to a 52-week guitar player is more disciplined, I would think, because it's a lot more expensive. And if they don't do it, they wasted a lot of money. And also, when you think about the name of the program, 52-week guitar player, it implies it's not overnight, right? So... I would hope and I would think that they uh, are longer term thinkers than someone who would buy a course that was marketed to them on the premise of them hating scales. Oh, you don't need to learn scales. Just learn this simple trick and we'll uh, teach you how to solo uh, in five minutes. <laughs> <It's> garbage. <laughs> yeah. And I'm assuming there's a mix of... Um music theory, creativity. And I think creativity is something that's, I, I noticed you've mentioned a lot of it. Um, I think you've said, yeah, technique's cool. I'm paraphrasing you here. Technique's cool, but it's nowhere near as um, good as being able to improvise freely or be creative or have a really nice sound. So why do you think creativity is something that's really lacking in guitar education? And is it something, or, or how do you go about teaching creativity within your course and your students? Yeah, what makes it difficult is the fact that it can't really be measured. Because if you think about increasing your speed, like that, that's a technique thing, right? You can put on the metronome and you can practice an exercise at, say, 100 BPM, do it every day for a week, and maybe you'll be at 107 BPM by the end of the week, something like that. It's very easy to measure, but how do you measure your creativity? It's very difficult. Right. And I think that people struggle with it because they don't uh, put in the work. Right. I, I heard something that the other day that I thought was quite powerful. It's like amateurs wait to be inspired, professionals sit down and get to work. Right. So, like, if you're writing music, for example, uh, I mean, yeah, sure, you could wait to get inspired. But if you're more serious about it, you're just going to sit down and get to work regardless of whether or not you feel inspired. Right. So, what it comes down to is reps, right? So it, it, it's also difficult because like, you know, the whole point of this point that I'm making is people, yeah, they don't work on it. Uh, they have to wait to be inspired, which means they're not putting in reps. And uh, it, it's not so hard if you uh, put in the reps, right? Like if you write a song a day or something like that, or a chord progression a day, or I mean, something al along those lines, it will become easier with time, right? It's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's difficult because it's not intuitive. 
Yeah. And I think a lot of people think creativity is this magical thing you either have or you don't, and they don't realize that it is something you can train and work on. And yeah, some people just intuitively do have a more creative personality. Other people, you go, okay, this person has this magical gift, but maybe they started five years, 10 years earlier than you. I see that from like both perspectives, but um, your, your point about, uh, can you say that quote one more time about um, waiting for inspiration versus getting to work? Amateurs wait to be inspired. Professionals sit down and get to work. I have so many people uh, in my in-person studio go, oh, I just want to try guitar out and see if I like it. And I'm like, okay, this person's going to last three months. As opposed <laughs> to the students who come and go, man, I really love guitar. What do I need to do to get, get that? They've already made that mental shift of I want to be a guitar player or I am a guitar player. What do I do? To get there and they put in the reps and sure enough they get there whereas the other people are just dipping their pinky toe in the water and, and uh they're hesitant about the whole approach so it's almost like that mindset and or identity shift that if i'm a guitar player these are the things i do for my creative person these are the things that i do versus this is my next midlife crisis <laughs> which i'm going to try and solve with guitar playing yeah and you know i i think a really good indicator of whether or not they're gonna continue learning guitar as well is uh the question how many famous guitar players can you name i got a lot of shit for this because i created a video and i said that guitar might not be for you if and and this was one of the reasons this was uh like if you can't name any famous guitar players guitar may not really be for you right and i don't mean that like you have to like, like if you, if you're a guitar player out there and you can't name five famous guitar players, I'm not saying yet you need to go quit, but you're not going to progress like someone who can do that. Right. Yeah. Oh, you're wearing a Nirvana shirt. Name me three songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. I saw that video about two, maybe three weeks ago. And I was like, this is absolutely brilliant because one of the frustrations I have as well is asking people what their favorite songs are. Oh, you want to learn guitar? What are some of your favorite songs? Or uh, I don't know. They can't even name you songs, let alone guitar players. And I, I jokingly say, this is what guitar players do. Guitar players think about guitar. They watch guitar videos. They look up guitar gear. They fight with other guitar players over who is the best guitar player on online forums. Um, zealously defend their favorite as the best. Um, Kurt Cobain is not the best guitar player. <laughs> no way. Um, all these kind of things. And that's what guitar players do. The people who, yeah, as you said, can't name a bunch of guitar players or even tell you what their favorite genre of music is or a single song they want to learn. It's like there's no long-term indicators of them going to be with it because they're not emotionally invested and it's not part of their identity. Yeah. And for some reason, that just like pisses everyone off when you say that, but it's the truth. What a surprise. Once again, in society, the truth has pissed people off. Wow. Shocker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How dare you censored? <laughs> I have to get the uh, hashtag cancel Brandon going. On social media. <laughs> I'm surprised it hasn't already circulated. <laughs> so um, we mentioned sticking with it in creativity. And one thing I really wanted to ask you about was the creative process for your videos. And something that really struck me was obviously I emailed you uh, an hour before the show just saying, um, here's the questions. Uh, I'm always transparent about that with my viewers. And one of the things you said, which really struck me was the first question is a bit of a like time waster. I don't think anyone's going to be interested. No one's going to be retained by that question. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> like what a, what a great analysis that you've already thought about pre ahead of time. So how much thought do you put into 
the creative process, retention. How intentional have you been about building your audience and, and improving your content? The start of this year, a lot more intentional. Like, I'll, I'll give you an example. So everyone says the hook matters so much. Like, this is what is common knowledge, everyone says. But uh, I, like, I, I knew that. I've always known that, but I didn't really like, like I thought I was applying it. It, it, It's one of those things that like you can be told by someone else else, but until you like actually experience it, you're not going to see the result. You're not going to actually internalize that lesson. You know what I mean? So that is something that I've been a lot more intentional with lately uh, because yeah, the hook matters a lot. And you really need to trigger them somehow, whether it be uh, making them angry or uh, saying something that they would never think possible or something that is uh, like contradictory to the popular belief, right? So like, I I mean, I I started doing this more this year and I've definitely seen, I've seen it work, which is cool. So yeah, I was, I was more intentional about that. I definitely believe that, uh, quality comes through quantity because the feedback loop is faster. So I put out a lot more videos than I did in a long time. I mean, I I used to put out more videos in, uh, 2018 when I was first getting started and I was, you know, hungry, like really hungry to prove myself, but you get slightly older and, um, you you make some money and you grow an audience and you gotta find a way to keep the fire going right so anyway yeah i've been putting out a lot of content lately uh and getting feedback on it very quickly because i put so much out and it's helped a lot yeah any 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 anything else on that yeah some great answers there uh in terms of the creative process like do you sit down and write out a bunch of ideas or do you just wait for a good one to come to you? What's that sort of look like? Yeah. So I actually uh, spend most of my Mondays <laughs> idea hunting. I feel like I've been out of ideas for months, <laughs> but here's the thing. The world doesn't give a shit if I don't have an idea for a video. If I don't put out a video, they don't care. The world's going to keep on spinning, right? So if I want to you know, get my foot in the door, even if I don't feel inspired or if I don't have any ideas, it's my job to come up with ideas. So I spend a lot of time on Mondays thinking about ideas. Like I will look at a bunch of content. I'll look at my old content. I'll look at emails I've sent and their open rates. I will search other niches for ideas and try to come up with ideas uh, that can be translated into the guitar niche right uh and do what i can to come up with some interesting ideas because as i said before earlier on the call ideas are very important so yeah it takes most of my day monday like i'll go to the gym as well but uh it's just finding ideas and then writing out the actual video and i only make short form content right now so uh once i get the ideas uh writing out the content uh doesn't take too too long but yeah, I would say between the idea hunting and, and writing out the scripts, that's the only thing I do on Monday besides like a gym trip to get a break from all that creative energy sucking. <laughs> yeah. And in terms of uh, 
the Brandon that we see in the videos, how much is that a character versus how much of that is you or an amalgamation of a little bit of both? Well, anyone watching this video right now can probably tell that I'm not the same as I am in those videos. So there is a character, although the reason that I, I do kind of play more into a character is because, well, at least I think it's more engaging and people respond to it more. And I'm still being my authentic self. It's just, it's amplified, right? So everything that I'm saying, like all, all of like uh, any harsh truths that I might say, or uh, things of that nature, I still believe them. It's not like I'm like, like being dishonest or disingenuous. I still stand by all the stuff that I say. It's just, I do it louder <laughs> on YouTube, right? So. I guess we're, we're probably on YouTube right now, but this is uh, different, obviously. And was that like something you found hard or did it come out naturally? And is there any advice for our listeners who do want to do YouTube or social media on how to be authentic to themselves and, and get the real uh, them out there or an amplified version of themselves? I mean, ideally, you could avoid playing a character because... Playing a character, I like. I always kind of feel weird. Like, I like sometimes people will come up to me who recognize me from YouTube, or or actually a better example, my students, my students that enroll in the program, and then we have our live sessions. Uh, I will act the way that I'm acting right now. This is how I'm presenting myself in those calls. And one time, a student said, "Yeah, you're a lot different in person." I mean, obviously, we're not in person, but in Zoom person, right? And uh, it's a, it's almost a bit of a letdown. <laughs> Oh shit, man. Thanks. <laughs> well, awesome. Yeah, that's cool. But uh, yeah, try to avoid playing a character. I'm actually trying to find a way to uh, tone it down a little bit, honestly, because yeah, it's just easier to talk how I'm talking right now. Um, but I mean, now my audience is used to a character. So I've kind of shot myself in the foot a little bit. Nice one, Brandon. You figure you like figure a, your way out of that. A couple of videos where your character goes to therapy and calms down a bit. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, you could you could be my therapist. Yeah. We'll set that up. <laughs> and then you just have like a then you can just make a therapist character as well. <laughs> it just now you split into multiple Brandon personalities. Yeah. And the, the therapist can be like even worse, like even more aggressive. <laughs> yeah. He can just give you blatantly bad advice. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I find that hilarious. So I know no one will watch it. It's, it's like, it's different. It's like not guitar, right? So the minute you try to like talk about something that's not relevant to the niche that you built your audience in, crickets. That's unless very, it's very mental health. Unless it's mental health, because that just, people love that shit. Yeah. Um, unlucky for me, because I have fucking awesome mental health. So you're never going <laughs> to see me make a video bitching about oh i'm depressed i have anxiety <laughs> yeah god yeah do you do do you do the whole this is completely aside um but do you do the whole myers-briggs personality kind of stuff or have done those in the past yep what was your uh, personality type so yeah personalities as you i'm sure you are aware of change over time the first time that i took the test i was an istj personality type. Then I took it again and it turned out INTJ. So the S changed into an N. Yeah. Um, 
for those of you watching it basically like like s is like rules right like you like rules and you follow uh, a routine and you know like you're the type of person to uh like follow that sort of lifestyle and then n is more uh like creative right i mean i'm i'm not a psychologist maybe you can add to this and and kind of say what i'm trying to say better but uh before you do that then i took the test a couple more times it came out istj again and then the last time i took it it was estj so slightly more extroverted and it was all like i was always like 4852 introverted which is what the i stands for and then the e stands for in the test but yeah yeah that's interesting I, i'm entj i've had that I remember in high school, someone came to our school for like a leadership thing because um, I was always included in, in those kind of roles in high school. And I always got ENTJ, the commander, and it's pretty much always been the same, but it's been 49, 51% introverted versus extroverted. So it's just like uh, very comfortable in front of a crowd or, or by myself doing my own thing. But yeah, I think going into the mental health thing, uh, I've always found it difficult to understand why people aren't motivated all the time or aren't go-getters or don't want to do it like, and have a complete like lack of empathy to the point where, yeah, we're going off on a tangent here, but I don't know if that's something you've struggled with or like, where does this drive come? Because obviously not everyone can aspire to have this great work ethic or really good health. Is that just something that you've, you've always had or something you've worked on or a big mix of everything? Yeah. The thing about mental health is like, you know, I know it's a touchy subject, but uh, and it might be like controversial to say this, but I think a lot of it has to do with uh, what you think and you're kind of in your own head about it. Like if you have anxiety, like I just, I think about the people I know in real life who say they have mental health problems. And I just know that if they change their thinking, that they could solve the problem. Because, you know, like, you don't have anxiety, uh, like if you, if you had a like good childhood and like, I don't know, man, like, uh, I'm, I'm obviously not a, a professional or anything, but like, just from what I've seen and observed of human behavior, I just, yeah, uh, it's a lot of, a lot of the time it's, it's just people, um, that are, uh, victim to their own beliefs and thoughts, but, uh, I've never personally struggled with it. So yeah, who am I to say this stuff? But uh, like when I was in the, the fifth grade, uh, you know, I, I got bullied a little bit and like that made me sad, but a, a period of sadness is not the same as depression, right? So, I mean, my entire adult life has been amazing. Like I, 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 I don't know why I am the way that I am. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a pretty small guy. So like uh, my dimensions are five foot eight and then I weigh 140 pounds. Now I know in Aussie land, you guys, uh, you guys measure weight in kg and, uh, for height, it's probably centimeters, I would guess. Uh, yeah, I think which is locally what, we use feet cause you know, girls want a six foot tall guy worldwide. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty, yeah, I, pretty. So we, we use feet, I think for height we, and centimeters, but I, I didn't know Canada didn't use the, uh, the same system. I thought just being from the British heritage, it was the same. Yeah. It, it's very strange. Cause, uh, we are metric for units of distance, like 
kilometers per hour um, or how many kilometers away is that? Uh, and, and we are metric in uh, like volume, you know, it's, it's a 500 mil bottle of water, right? But we, everyone's imperial when it comes to weight and height. So anyway, it's, a, it's kind of strange. But the reason that I bring this up is because I was always a very small child and like, uh, you know, as a man, like you don't want to be small, you want to be big. So have I felt the need to like compensate for my small stature through my accomplishments? Maybe, maybe that's why I am the way I am, or at least one of the reasons. Yeah. I mean, I heard a great quote, uh, saying like, do you think Floyd Mayweather gives a shit that he's like five foot five or whatever? And it's not just <laughs> be the biggest, best you can. Cause you can't change your height. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right. So, I mean, I'm very comfortable with, uh, my physical appearance and my height and my weight. I'm, I'm comfortable with all that stuff. Although when I was younger, I did used to wish I was taller. I used to wish that I was bigger, but now, you know, I don't give a shit. I don't think Floyd does either. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting tangent there. But to get on track with my final question to today, what tips do you have for those listeners who do want to go into online teaching in terms of how they can build an audience, how they can find students and obviously make sales and convert better online? So uh, trust is becoming uh, more and more scarce uh, thing in modern internet culture. So trust is something that you need to establish and hold on to very closely because uh, it, it's more like it's more saturated now than it has ever been. And six months from now, it's going to be more saturated. A year from now, it's going to be even more, right? So the people that stand out uh, will need to be trustworthy. And uh, honestly, you'll need to be entertaining as well you like like not be boring you'll need to be helpful like genuinely helpful and you'll need to have good information and all of this stuff like you the, the skill stack is increasing right so it, it's just it's getting harder and harder so uh now is the best time to start uh well actually like 10 years ago would have been the best time to start but now is the second best time to start right so uh you can cry and complain about it, or you can just accept it and move forward. So that, that's something that I would say. And uh, another piece of advice I might give is, uh, don't be afraid to tell the audience like your, your best stuff. Like don't be afraid to share your secrets because, uh, what they will take from that is, you know, your shit, and then they will want to work closer with you when they see what you know. And cause they'll want you to help them with their own situation. Right. So those are definitely uh, a couple of things that I would throw a future content creator's way when it comes to advice. Some fantastic advice there. And uh, the last little thing I wanted to ask you about was this sexy AF track pack you've got coming out. I think you might have hinted about that before, but can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's, yeah earlier on the call here i was talking about the music producer that i work with and you know he creates some really great tracks and uh what i've decided to do is take a bunch of these tracks and just turn them into a track pack there's going to be 27 and these tracks are so amazing i listen to them 
with nothing else <laughs> just for fun because like I genuinely like them that much. And uh, in February, early February, I'm going to finally launch this product. And if you guys ever improvise over trackbacks on YouTube, or like you go to YouTube and you search for a backing track, I should say, you know how much of a difference it makes, right? It like it's very inspiring. Like it, it takes you to another place when you listen to a really solid track, right? And you get lost in the music, and all of these tracks do that. So yeah, I'm very excited for this, uh, and it, it's going to be uh, not expensive. <laughs> that sounds absolutely fantastic. So Brandon, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. I really appreciate your time, and on behalf of the Top Music uh, community. Uh, thank you so much for coming on board. For our listeners at home, thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you on next week's exciting episode. And as always, stay safe, have fun. And if you've got any questions, uh, you can email me, michael at topmusic.co. And of course, uh, we'll provide all the links to Brandon's stuff. So if you're interested in checking out his uh, track pack or signing up for the next uh, intake of his 52-week guitar player, we'll uh, post the links wherever you're listening to this. Just don't check him out while you're driving. Anyway, guys, thanks so much. We'll see you in the next episode. Hey there, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Top Music Guitar Teaching Podcast. If you have any questions about anything we discussed on the podcast, reach out to me at michael at topmusic.co via email. If you want a guest on the show because you're doing some wonderful things in the teaching space, I would love to hear from you. Or if you've got any suggestions for guests or topics we can discuss, as always, you know where to find me. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is our Top Music Guitar Teaching Membership. We have over a thousand members of Top Music, and that is a huge community of people that you can connect with online, share wonderful teaching tips, and of course, network with. We've also got over 20 courses for music teachers, 12 special ones for guitar on every topic imaginable from group teaching, private teaching, how to find more students, how to build websites, everything you could possibly want to need to know about teaching, building a business, and getting more students is covered. And you get access to all of this for $49, probably less than what you charge for a one-hour private lesson every single month. So don't miss out on this awesome opportunity. Visit our website, www.topmusicguitar.com and join us in the membership. Thank you so much and we'll see you next week.